Hello, friends. It's Ariel Hawani of The Ringer MMA Show. I'm Chuck Mindenhall. And I'm Pete Carroll. And together, we are Three Pack. Follow and listen to The Ringer MMA feed exclusively on Spotify for all the latest the world of mixed martial arts and join us live on spotify green room after every big event see you then love yous this episode is brought to you by anytime fitness we're not all professional athletes but we all have health goals that's why anytime fitness gives you access to personalized plans and support from a coach plus you can track your training nutrition and recovery progress with the anytime fitness app just like the pros. With 24-7 access to more than 5,000 gyms worldwide, get more from your gym membership. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, restrictions, all apply. See website for details. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. Hello and welcome back to the Stadio podcast. I'm Musa Kwonga. I'm Ryan Hunt. Ryan, how are you doing? I'm right, thanks man. How are you? Very well, thanks. Very well, thanks. Roll necked up as usual. Yeah, you know you're in my bad books, right? Yes, of course. When am I not? <laughs> What's your new reason? <laughs> what now? What's your new reason? <laughs> uh, well, you've, you've, you've had a busy week and you've, uh, you've been prepping for a German reading. I have is, indeed, um, yeah. Very difficult. And I've been bugging you to watch The Last of Us yes. so we can talk about it. Yes, yes. But you've actually got real stuff to do, so we're going to try. <laughs> I'm going to keep bugging you afterwards. I <laughs> hope that we can talk about it sometime next week because it's amazing. It's literally the series I want to watch the most. It's amazing so far. No spoilers, but episode three, I think it's already in the all-time single episode TV Hall of Fame. Just incredible. You know, can, I, can I say, like the quality of the writing on TV just, just blows me away. They're just, Amen. it's just masterpiece. They're, they're like the new novels, aren't they? In the old days, like people would like, you know, have the novels and now it's like TV is the new novel and it's just, it's taken things to a level I, I couldn't imagine. Speaking of novels, when's your next one out? Oh, <laughs> no. you got, yeah, you <laughs> Drop the well, book. <laughs> drop the book. <laughs> new novel just dropped. Um, new book, who dis? <laughs> <laughs> If if um if I do get something finished, your listeners will be the first to know. I tell you that they better bloody not be. I better know first. <laughs> Honestly, I mean, technically you are a listener. You probably am listen I? To, to more of my nonsense <laughs> than anyone else. Am I? <laughs> anyway, we hope everyone's staying safe, staying well, and um, recovering from the transfer window. Goodness, slamming shut. Yes. God, I'm glad it's over. Are you glad it's over? I mean. Yeah, I mean, not much. Actually, that's not true. A lot happened for United. Actually, it's not true. Um, yeah, but United spent zero pounds on transfer fees in the, uh, in the January window, which is very sensible. Yeah, I'm not sure how I feel about this. It's well, we sensible. will talk about it in yeah. part two of we will. the show. So, we will talk about it. Um, so today we're going to round up some midweek fixtures very mm. quickly. And then we will talk about the transfer window slamming shut quick bit of admin if you are in london on thursday the 9th of february mm. come and see musa and i and flo and ian at king's place we're going to be doing a writer's house back-to-back stadio back-to-back counter-pressed hybrid one-off Crossover. live show yeah we tweeted the ticket link go to twitter.com forward slash stadio um apologies if the tickets are a little high out of our control unfortunately but um we hope you can come and see us. Yes, please come and say hello. It'd be lovely to see you. Yeah, hopefully we'll see you there. If not, hopefully we'll see you somewhere else this year. We need, we need to do a couple more live shows. Yeah, yeah, we do. Other admin, Stadio Archers plays on Spotify and Righty's House on Friday. 
Ball Gang and check out Impressed as well. Now twice a week. I think that's all the admin. So let's get into a quick roundup after the break. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on Hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, there was a kid's session with exercise, gymnastics in the water, pony rides, a train. It had everything, and I didn't even want any of those things. But at least I knew they were there just in case I changed my mind. And now finding the perfect hotel has never been easier thanks to the Hotels.com app. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly, right, all-inclusive or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side by side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app. All right, man. Any games you watched this week take your fancy or piqued your interest? Well, actually... That sounds like sorry, sad, but like I was watching Betis Barcelona and I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed this actually. Do you know, do you know what I enjoyed the most? What's that? William Carvalho's 95th minute red card when he wasn't even, <laughs> he was, he'd already gone off. <laughs> I love that. I just, I just thought Barcelona moved the ball really well. And even some of the stuff that didn't come off, I really applaud them for trying. The directness, some of the passing from deeper, you know, Frankie de Jong. Mm. I just liked it. You know, when you just see... Do you know when you see, like, again, we talked about novelists earlier, when you go back and read a novelist's early work mm. and you see signs of greatness and it's not sustained, it's maybe like a, a chapter here, whatever, like a paragraph there, but you're like, you see it. And watching this, I thought, yeah, I'm, I'm excited by this. Um, so yeah, that sounds quite sort of <laughs> quite hipster, but then wouldn't be the first time for me. But yeah, I really enjoyed um, Barcelona Betis. Yeah, I thought that'd be good. Um, apparently... No teenager in Europe's top five leagues has had more assists this season than... Oh no, only Jamal Musiala, sorry, has had more assists this season for a teenager in Europe's top five leagues than Balde, which I think is quite a low-key impressive stat. That's extremely interesting. Mm. It's extremely interesting. Yeah. Um, fine no, it, was just a fun, it was a fun game, man. Uh, Barcelona did pretty well, and then Jules Koundé's own goal just put him under a little bit of pressure towards the mm. end. But, um, He's had a tough few months, actually, Koundé. I mean, that that side has just been, it's had so much turnover. You know, Bellerin's gone already. Mm. Um, you know, you had Aubameyang leave last, in the summer after six months. There's a lot of six months, it's very transitional at Barcelona at the moment because yeah. of their financial nonsense. Hector off to Sporting, though, which, I mean, Hector's career is looking extremely stadio-ish. I'm not going to lie. Tell you what, he's eating some great food, I'll tell you that. I knew you were saying that. <laughs> sorry, I sorry. Lamasia to Arsenal, to Betis on loan, the cuisine to Barcelona to Sporting. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> listen. Having spoken to Hector off air when we did that Wright's House show, he is he is a man who I think will just be like he's in his bag. Yeah, there's a re- there's some really nice cafes in Lisbon, and uh, I know a couple of tattoo artists over there. So we're just gonna yeah, just gonna go over there. And- do you know where his story arc finishes? You do realise the next time we see him in public, he's gonna be in like a Bad Bunny video. <laughs> you do realise that <laughs> if there was ever a footballer more likely to turn up in a Bad Bunny video and look like he absolutely belonged there, it's Hector Bellerin. He's such a special. He's such a special human, isn't he? He's great, man. I love Hector. I just hope he does well out there and I hope he finds his groove again. There's always been a perception issue around him. I think, you know, people never forgave. People can be tough and I think people never forgive you for actually not fulfilling your promise due to injury. Mm. There was a beautiful um, and quite poignant video that Tifo did about what happened to Ansu Fati. Oh, yeah. About his injuries. And it really is, it was really upsetting. Um, to see just, you know, I, I knew he'd been badly injured, but the extent of the injuries. It was gnarly. To the point where it actually makes me feel guilty now. It makes me feel guilty getting publicly excited about his progress and potential because it's like, you don't want to add even whatever small pressure to that because, you know, just, how do I say this without sounding, um, let me be diplomatic. The real concern about the physical burdens placed on footballers, right? I wonder if medical professionals are in a situation where they're actually giving advice that is contrary mm. to the physical benefit of the player because their whole thing is like, you know, the objectives of like a footballer being fully healed 
are not actually consistent with getting a player out there regularly. And I wonder if we have a situation where years from now, we have a bunch of medical professionals doing podcasts and having conversations, interviews going, actually, our aim was to get them 80% of their, you know, fitness, happiness out there. Like, because you talk, you hear all these stories about how footballers play through pain for years on end. And I wonder if there's some kind of like, wider conversation that's going to happen, actually, just given the physical burden on these players. Yeah, I mean... Good luck, Hector. Good luck, Hector. Yeah, good luck, Hector. And uh, we'll talk about who he was replacing uh, in the second part of the show because... We will. Pedro Porro is a very, very good signing, I think mm. that's the word. Absolutely. We'll talk about that later. Uh, wild game I watched this week, Montpellier PSG. Oh my God. <laughs> right? That looked wild from a distance. This was absolutely wild. So uh, Mbappe gets a penalty after 10 minutes. Uh, Lecomte saves it. It's then retaken because of people running in the box. Uh, Mbappe has it tipped onto the post by Lecomte, the second one. Um, they have two goals ruled out for offside, PSG. Uh, Hakimi's was an absolutely amazing goal, like 30 yards out, something right foot, top corner, offside in the build-up, like three or four passes before that. <laughs> oh, Messi had one in the back of the net, which was a lovely finish, actually, just this little lovely dinked vo- left foot volley over the keeper, offside in the build-up. And then the de- deadlock was broken by Fabian Ruiz. His first goal for PSG. What a player. He, do you know, his pass for Messi's goal yeah. was so good. Oh, the, the, the third one. A threaded nutmeg. It was the second. A threaded nutmeg um, for Messi. And then uh, Warren Zaya Emery, 16 years old, off the bench to score uh, his first goal for PSG. So, all in all, uh, it was 3-1 in the end for PSG. Pretty comfortable in the end, but my God, it was, it was dramatic. I'm just thinking, um, I mean, Martinez going, how the hell did I not stop those? <laughs> I mean, Lecomte's penalty saves were unbelievable. The first one was great, and the second one to tip on the, to the post because it's the other way. Oh, he wow. guesses both ways. So good. Um, Looks like I yeah. picked the wrong game. There I was watching my Betis Barcelona. <laughs> well, Surely. you know, you know. Um, so PSG, PSG five points clear at the top. Um, Lons lost to uh, Nice, 1 0. And a quick shout for following Bag- Balagoon because, wow, Patrick Ferrans against Lorient. He is the top goal scorer in Liga with 14 goals, one ahead of Kylian Mbappe. That, of course, is news to which the fan base will react very calmly, I'm sure. Oh, Arsenal Twitter was... Calm. It was, it was, you know, it was, uh, uh, it was Arsenal Twitter and it was calm as a mouse. Oh my God. <laughs> it was not calm. <laughs> Good um, for him. That's wonderful, actually. Really great. I mean, Arsenal Twitter has been on a journey this week. Um, any other games of note you want to talk about this week? Cremonese beating Roma yes. 2-1, getting to the Coppa Italia semis for the first time since the mid-1980s. Big. Unbelievable. In Rome. In big Rome. in Rome. <laughs> yeah, big in Rome. <laughs> it's like big in Japan, no, no. What happened for the serial Odessa's penalty, by the way? Because he took the penalty uh, and then was booked for the celebration, but I couldn't figure out why. It was just, it was... Just vibing. The ref was booking everyone. The ref just was like, it was like, you get a yellow card. You get a yellow card. You won't see many more you desperate fouls. You won't see many more desperate fouls for a penalty than Rui Patricio on Odessa, though. That yeah, was just... <laughs> and the fact that he got up and tried to give him the whole like you dived you dived <laughs> it's like nah nah bro <laughs> yeah amazing win for Cremonese who also beat Napoli in the round before big deal exactly Fiorentina yeah. beating Torino and Inter beating Atalanta the night before at San Siro lovely goal from Matteo Damian he gets a game. few important ones actually Damian I think he's a little bit underrated personally. I think I think the United spell hurt him actually growing his hair helped you think? Yeah, Nomad Darmian is my favourite. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was the DFB Pokal this week as well. Uh, RB Leipzig beating Hoffenheim 3-1. Jao Cancelo making his debut for Bayern in their 4-0 win away at Mainz. Uh, and he played really well. Got an assist for the opener for Eric's mm. Maxim Chupamoteng. And I liked this because Nagelsmann went to a back three and played Pavard as the right-sided centre-back in the three alongside Upa Meccano and Matthias De Ligt, which I think suited Bayern 
And suits those Jao, players actually, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, and Jao Cancelo as a right wing back seemed to work really, really well. Uh, Bo Svensson got red, got red card, straight red in this game. After I told you, man, the other day in the in the Dortmund game, he was he got a yellow, and I was just like, Bo, he's reaching for something. He's seeking getting a little bit chatty. He's seeking something. <laughs> so, um, Bo Svensson obviously on the list for the Stadio bootleg tees. Yes, one of many. Um, was an existential red? Would you say? I mean, I'm not sure if Bo Svensson's it. was, but Alexander Hacks was, because <laughs> he got sent off four minutes later for a second yellow. So, <laughs> Trying to feel something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, Bayern can- looked, yeah, Bayern can- looked we'll, talk, we'll talk about the Cancelo thing in part two, but I think the Cancelo, th- we're really hyping part two. Uh, I know, it's not even that good. I'm a, I'm a little bit gutted, actually, that Cancelo's falling out with Guardiola has affected the title race in the Bundesliga. I was looking at their squad last night because obviously they signed Daily Blind as well, which is not the kind of most hype signing in the world. But in terms of just like some it's squad a, backup and a, a bit a of rotation. Signing. I mean, it is, isn't it really? They've got Matthias Dillick there now. They obviously signed Gravenbeck in the summer. Yeah. Um, Daily Blind in there as well. It's it's very, it is very Ajaxy. But um, Daily Blind to, and, Blind to until last week was the most Bayern player not to have played for Bayern. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> that title now passes who do you think's the, someone else. Who, who do you think is the most Bayern player not to have played for Bayern? That's a great question. Um, Tielemans has quite early 2000s Bayern energy. Um, De Bruyne is a shout, actually. That's true. De Bruyne is a shout. That's true. Totally. Totally a Bayern player. Why is it? The definition of a Bayern player is someone who can play for the first team for five years and you kind of forget they're there. You look at the numbers and go, oh my God, they're just quietly just winning everything. Like Tiago. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> uh, Bayern's title role is Union beat Wolfsburg, Stuttgart beat Paderborn 2-1 away. So that's the uh, Pokal quarterfinals this week. Uh, it was Carabao Cup. Your beloved Manchester United are through to the Carabao Cup final where they will play Newcastle United. Eric Ten through- Hag doing work. Eric Ten Hag doing serious work. Eric Ten Hag is... I mean, I could just repeat what we said before, but quieting the noise around Old Old Trafford has been very good. And you know what I think is a massive example of that? Mm. The fact that the Sancho absence has been exquisitely handled. It has. Because I genuinely think that a lot of United fans had forgotten that it was an absence. I think that's right. And he came back, made his uh, return against Nottingham Forest. And uh, he looked okay. Mm. It's going to take him a while to. I think the thing about Jaden, uh, Jaden Sancho, I think it's just. I think it's going to be a confidence issue with him because, mm. you know, his the, the peak of his powers at Dortmund. Him and him and Holland as a double act were just untouchable. Um, and he had an amazing partnership with Rafa Guerrero as well down yeah. that left hand side, and he was linking really well with Julian Brandt and all of this. There was just there were partnerships all over the pitch, and I felt like he, so far at his time at Manchester United, he's struggled to really forge those partnerships. Maybe Luke Shaw was the closest one. Mm. Maybe the addition of a number nine would help him, actually. See what they do in the summer, because... I'm just going to be interested to see how he links up with Vekhorst. Yeah. Well, or, or whoever comes in to replace Vekhorst. Sorry. We, know nothing. Return. We, have, we have no... Listen, we have no inside information, actually. I mean, yeah, we literally have none. We are the least in the know. Oh, God. Happy with United? Delighted. 5-0 on aggregate against... Kayla Navas's Nottingham Forest. <laughs> that is, we'll get into that. We'll get into that. We That's incredible. Do. Really delighted for how things have developed there. Obviously, Casemiro, just an unbelievable signing. Um, they strengthened well with Sabitzer, mm. which is just an outstanding. I mean, I talked I about, I talked about um, Neuhaus, but Sabitzer, in terms of something that complements what Casemiro can do in midfield, is such a Premier League ready signing. Let's talk about Newcastle, yes. who beat Southampton 3-1 on aggregate, 2-1 at St. James's Park, thanks to two goals from Sean Longstaff. Mm. And they are through to their first Wembley final since the 1999 FA Cup final, I believe. They moved the ball really well again. They just look good, man. Almiron. Almiron doing work. Yep. I think we said a couple of shows ago that um, this reminds us a little bit of that early stage Manchester City, Abu Dhabi group takeover because... Mm. Getting that taste of silverware or getting the taste of going to finals, I think, is such a major part on the evolution of a project. In terms of what it does for attracting signings, 
Yeah, but also getting yeah. the getting the win, winning taste amongst the squad. Like I feel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's very important. Yeah, yeah. <sighs> yeah, I mean, with the ownership stuff, it's tricky because obviously they've had a huge amount of investment in a year. Yeah. Well, over over a quarter of a billion, yeah. Yeah, but I think even with that investment, I'm not entirely sure people would have expected the progress to be this quick. I think there has been um, money that has not been truly spent in the Premier League, I think it's fair to say. Mm. And I think merely spending huge amounts of money is not a guarantee of success. I mean, look at West Ham. Look yeah, at West, yeah. West Ham. Yeah, have yeah, yeah. Worked, not just spent a lot of money, but bought some very good footballers who are not achieving um, to their potential and brilliant footballers. Skamaka and Paqueta are exceptional footballers, mm. actually, when you get the best out of them. Um, that's sadly not happening for, the, for their current club. It is, again, I think, look, I think with Newcastle, I think the thing I'll just have to keep repeating about them is they're just never going to get uh, credit or in terms of what's being achieved because of the ownership stuff. It's just never going to happen. So they're never going to get, like Eddie Howe, the fact that Longstaff scored twice and he's a Geordie, Mm. And he's a player that scored those goals despite they brought in other players and he's for his place. And the fact that Eddie Howe has actually really improved players in that squad and brought a lot out of them. And Newcastle fans listening to this will be like, you know, actually just to give them credit in terms of Howe's man, man management and coaching, that's been exceptional. Yeah. But un- unfortunately, Newcastle have to understand, and th- I think they get this already. You have the money, you have the power, then you want respect. It's why Elon Musk bought Twitter. Like the final hurdle of dominance and supremacy and achievement and Newcastle are going to find that the same way City did. The final hurdle is respect and people mm. want that. And look, I'm not trying to be harsh because look, I'm a United fan. So we know all about disrespect. We know all about, but it is going to matter actually. It doesn't matter yet. It doesn't matter yet because this is the thrill. This is the kind of, we got rid of that awful owner who was terrible for the club and, ter- mm. and we're on a run now. We got to the final. That's wonderful. We're playing amazing football yeah. and they're playing great football, defensively smart, attacking all of it. But that conversation about respect is going to come and it's going to be really painful when it comes because it's going to matter. You know that whole, um, that saying, yeah. with great power comes great responsibility. Yeah, yeah. I think in football, it's like, with great wealth comes great scrutiny. Yeah, exactly. I think people who weren't bantering them yes. knew how much they went through it. I mean, we talked about this with the takeover, so we don't need to rehash it, but yeah, it, that's why it was the perfect, almost like the perfect club for a takeover in a way, because yeah. it was like just yeah. a horrid, horrid ownership that had dragged that club through some horrible, horrible times. Mm. And, you know, now, for example, the investment has already turned things around and everything's way more positive th- at the club. Yeah. It's going to be interesting, that final, because, yeah. I mean, you know, level on points in the league and an extremely good defence. Got a little while until the final yet, but still. Well, and also, here's the thing to Eddie Howe's credit. No one is talking about who do Newcastle get. Now they've got like to the position where they're attractive to other managers, mm. in quotes. I'm not hearing those conversations, actually. I mean, I mean, two things can be true. Like you can, you, can, you can invest a lot of money into a club, but also have a coach that has really, <laughs> has coached that side really, really well. And we've said this numerous times. And I think, but I think that's, what I mean, do, do you know what I mean? I think he's made the conversation quiet about, you know, like when clubs get to a certain level of prominence, it's like, okay, who do we bring in now? Who do we mm. bring in to replace the person that got us there? I'm not hearing those conversations, actually. No. And that's no, a reflection and, and, on the yeah. job he has, he has done, I think, which not, not anyone could have done. Totally. So, yeah. So, Manchester United, Newcastle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In the League Cup final. It's going to be a hell of a wow. game. Yeah, hell of a game there. Yeah. Any other games you want to talk about from midweek? Or uh, are we good? I think we're good. We're good. We're good. Yeah. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on Hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, there was a kid's session with exercise, gymnastics in the water, pony rides, a train. It had everything, and I didn't even want any of those things but at least I knew they were there just in case I changed my mind. And now finding the perfect hotel has never been easier thanks to the Hotels.com app. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly, right, all-inclusive or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side by side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got 
a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on, I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. Do you know what my favorite thing about the transfer window is, Musa? It's done. It's the rumors that happen in the day or two after the window closes. (laughs) Because it's a bit like, why now? Mm. Yeah. Check this out. Rumor has it, Man City, I chill well as Cancelo replacement. Oh, please. <laughs> the Times is reporting the city could target Ben Chilwell. That's Well, the Times, they're normally quite good. That's interesting. Well, actually, no, let me be fair. Ben Chilwell, uh, Ben Chilwell, if he's, if he's not harrowed by injury, is just elite. I mean, yeah. He's, just, he's, he's, he's yeah, top five. Like, I think he's a top five left back. Anyway, yeah, I mean, it's no, it's no coincidence that Chelsea's form fell off an absolute cliff without Rhys James and Ben Chilwell. Yeah. You know, it's incredible. I trying mean, to yeah. fly a plane without wings. Unreal. Exactly. Is the case. <laughs> Do it. Perfect. It's like, Perfect. Know, there's a reason we're not getting off the ground, lads. Yeah. Chilwell's anyway. amazing. He's amazing. I just hope his injuries leave him alone. Um, Do you know what yeah. wasn't amazing? What wasn't? The fact that the Premier League spent a combined total of $1 billion US dollars in the transfer window in January for the very first time. One billion. One billion. Chelsea was responsible for 37% of that total. Equivalent to more than, this is from a Reuters piece, by the way, I'm just quoting this. Equivalent to, the, to more than the combined spend by all clubs in the Bundesliga, La Liga, Serie A and Liga. Goodness. You may have heard Chelsea broke the British transfer record of £106.8 million. Pounds, 120 million euros. Renzo Fernandez. So, shall we start there? We have to. It feels like that was the the hypest signing of deadline day. Mm. Great player. Young player of the tournament of the World Cup. Signed for Benfica in the summer for 14 million euros and has made 17 league appearances in total, plus Champions League appearances and cup competitions, etc. 106 million euro profit in just over six months, which meant that River Plate, received their record transfer fee due to their sell-on clause. Can I just say, shout out to the, the lawyer negotiated that. The lawyer that negotiated that this morning is not coming into work on time. Guarantee Listen, that. Someone saw Todd Bowley taking over Chelsea and just put massive sell-on clauses to all of their players. You yeah. go, where's he going, Benfica? Give uh, us a sell-on clause. Uh, 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 <laughs> uh, uh, uh. Chelsea in no time. Um, okay, I mean... Where to begin? Where to begin? I don't really want to uh, talk anymore about with transfer player, amortization. With the, with the player, because, I think begin with the player. Yeah, let's begin with the player. So in terms of what that is... Chelsea signed a very good player. A very good player, but also in terms of the player, um, and hopefully uh, the transfer fee won't weigh... Look, if Leo Messi's in your WhatsApp group, you're going to be okay in terms of advice about how to manage stages of your career. And what Enzo Fernandez did at that World Cup is extraordinary. To step into the gap left by Lo Celso, is just extraordinary. So he's got the mentality to be very good at Chelsea. So I hope that, first we'll start with the player, I hope that mentally the, the, the fee is not one that weighs too heavily on him and I hope that he has a successful career and I hope that it doesn't, you know, the injuries don't haunt him or whatever. Um, in terms of Chelsea, and I said this on Twitter and it, I'm just throwing this out there, I know that FFP is an issue here. Um, it will be over time. I'm not sure if Chelsea have the patience to stop this level of high-risk deal-making. I don't know if they're, you know, they bought all these players really, really quickly. And I wonder if, you know, the idea is they bought all these players early and they'll bed down for the next three, four years and just see how these signings work out. I'm not sure if they have the temperament for that. Uh, And I'm also, I suppose, concerned by 
and I say this is again a United fan, you know, so we've, we've had players who've juiced the market. We've had salaries. We've offered, we've offered I think 350 a week to Falcao and that shattered, I think, transfer expectations at the time for a player that wasn't playing even that much. I worry about what this does to the market, how it distorts it. Mm. Um, I'm not going to lie. And again, like as a United fan, we were a key part of that. We were catalysts for that. I didn't like it then. I don't like it now. How do, how do you feel about it? I think he's a very, very good player. I think mm. it's interesting that he's a record for, well, the British transfer record, but also a record for a midfielder, I believe, because he's not, I mean, for that kind of fee, mm. I feel that people subconsciously expect to be wowed. That's why mm. you don't really see many defenders going for a hundred plus million euros, let's yeah, say. Yeah. yeah, You tend to have attackers, wingers, you know, Jack Grealish's, Mbappe's, Neymar's. Mm. Or Romelu Lukaku's who can score a load of goals. Well, when they were signed at least, anyway. So what I love about Enzo is that it's he's kind of he plugs gaps mm. and he threads play, connects play. He's a connector more than a kind of a a showboater. You mm. know? Like he's a bassist, basically. Do you remember how underwhelmed people were by Yaya Toure being signed? I know the different types of player, but they were underwhelmed by him being signed and they looked at the salary he was being paid and they were like, what the hell is that about? And then everyone got it. I think that Enzo Fernandez, in terms of the new Chelsea, has the potential to be as vital. I think in a different way. Absolutely. Does that make sense? Absolutely, yeah. And from the perspective of buying a player like Enzo Fernandez, if you look at like Churamani, who has the ability and the durability to be the basis of, the basis and the basest. to be the core of Real Madrid's midfield for the next eight years, mm. eight, 10 years, then from that perspective, those are both extremely smart signings. And from that perspective, I think it makes a form of sense. Yeah. It's a long-term investment. And bassists aren't massively, you know, it's not, this, it's not the sexiest part of the band, but you know, what part of the chain by Fleetwood Mac does everyone remember? And here's the other thing as well, as someone that's played in bands like yourself. I mean, I haven't. <laughs> but I can say this, the hardest player to find, or the hardest musician to find even harder than drummer is a bassist. Like when you find a really good bassist, they're in like 20 bands at once. Yeah. I mean, and that's fr- why like, I yeah. think like, for example, you get a load of centre midfielders who are frustrated wingers. And so it's like when bass, it's like when guitarists, lead guitarists end up becoming bassists just so they can be in the band. Whereas like Enzo is a bait, is a proper bassist. Proper one, exactly. Yeah, yeah. He's going to be key for Chelsea, but he's going to do it in a way that is, I mean, he might, he, he will score goals and he might get a few assists and stuff like that. But his, it's more about everything in between. Mm. I mean, we saw him at Argentina. He was kind of like, he's a kind of like a six, eight hybrid. He's an incredible player. Yeah, he's amazing. He's and, but player. I think that yeah. the, the, the thing about it is the fee. The fee, I, uh, weirdly, I think there's more pressure on Mudrick. I think the fee over, like hanging over Mudrick is probably something that's a little bit, that will probably affect him a little bit more just because of the type of player. I feel like that when there is such a, when your game is um, end product, let's say, mm. I feel like bigger fees hang over you a little bit. Actually, it's weird that centre midfielders go, don't go for that much money because actually I feel like for all of the positions on the pitch, it's probably the area that you can handle. I'm just thinking off the top of my head, so maybe this is completely false, but it's the kind of position that you could that you can actually deal with going for a big fee because... If you play at centre-back, look at De Ligt, for example. When De Ligt went to Juve, he really struggled to, to fulfil that, that fee and he went for a lot of money and he was very, very young. The same with, like, say, Sancho going to Manchester United, very young. People are automatically bringing up your expected assists if they're clever or they're just throwing goals in the assists. If yeah. they're not, you're instantly judged on... Look at Grealish. Yeah, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Grealish is a prime example. Whereas if someone has to pull up like a kind of like a pizza chart and be like, actually your defensive actions per 90 and all of this stuff that people just kind of like throw a load of tech work uh, and tactical word salad at people and analytical word salad. It's basically like, put it this way, it's just, let's be honest. It's just a lot less sexy. It is a if, lot less if, sexy. If someone, says, yeah. if someone says I'm paying five million pounds to a rock star to headline Wembley, but everyone be like, whoa, five million pounds. But if someone says, oh, I'm paying three million pounds to the air traffic controller at Heathrow. No one's going to say anything. It's because it's an air traffic controller. Yes, and you keep planes in the sky. Yes, and it's actually vital work. And it's like, but ultimately it's, it's also not as sexy. It's like every now and again, when they release those big corporate salaries and everyone's like, 
no one really makes a big fuss out of it because no one's that interested in the actual ins and outs of their day job. And this <laughs> is the kind of, this is the problem. This is the real- He's saying that Enzo is, he's been trained for, for essentially like a high middle management job. Yes, it's exactly <laughs> what he's doing. It's literally what it is. It's literally what it is. It's exactly Center what it midfield. is. Is essentially a high middle management job. It is absolutely high middle management. And here's, <laughs> and here's the thing as well. <laughs> the thing about Enzo Fernandez as well, everyone's seen it. Everyone's seen yeah, what he can do. They, they, they watched yeah. it. So, whereas Mudrick's problem is, there's two problems. Firstly is um, it's a fee for potential rather than, it's a fee that's weighted much more towards potential than achievement. Mm. Enzo Fernandez is obviously way more expensive just because he's been bought hard on the heels of that World Cup and it's so fresh in minds. You know, part of the reason for the transfer market overheating, I said this in the, uh, the chat we were talking the other day, was that um, this World Cup, basically the sweet spot, the World Cup coming mid-season mid is a unique thing. Normally, things don't overheat like that. But the fact that it's come straight in the middle and everyone's got, okay, let's strengthen with that player we just saw who was brilliant in front of like one and a half billion people, whatever the viewing figures were, that's catalyzed it. So Enzo Fernandez doesn't go for this amount of money, I don't think. Yeah, dude, it's like sticking a catwalk in a market. Yeah. You've literally got a perfect. free run for a month before exactly. the transfer window. Exactly. Down. It's exactly what it is. But the Mudrick problem is, I think the fee he's been signed for is weighted much more in the favor of potential. Also, the other thing, because this game's explosive, Mm. This game is so based on speed. Look, I hope that he retains that speed rather like an iron robin, because yeah. actually that is someone for whom physical decline, I hope it's not a worry, but it could be a thing. Mm. So I hope, he just I hope he just delivers on that in terms of his, like his physicality. Anything else you want to talk about with Chelsea? I mean, yes, yes. We, I yeah, mean, the Ziyech. I, Ziyech I didn't thing. like this at all, to be honest. Do you know what I don't like about this? Okay, so Ziyech tried to get a move to Paris Saint-Germain. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it was a loan and it fell through because the paperwork got messed up. And the reason why I'm, I'm mentioning this is because they devoted so much time to getting Enzo Fernandez in the door. <laughs> Attention to detail, like they scrutinized every detail and they didn't apply the same scrutiny to a player they were trying to move on. And the reason that kind of gets me a little bit is because it does kind of remind you that in football, you, you do get rewarded for going full diva. Mm. Like if you actually are on people and hammer people to get and agitate for moves, you're more likely to get there. Look at Pedro Porro getting to Spurs. If Pedro Porro doesn't kick off, he doesn't get to Spurs. He mm. stays at Sporting. And Ziyech, basically, his deal falls through. And this is a move that he really needed for his career in terms of momentum because the Chelsea move has not worked at all. Mm. And here's a player who, he might have been looking at his career going, I should have gone somewhere and really flown. It didn't happen at all at Chelsea. There was a moment to get there at PSG, be part of something, you know, a bit bigger a team that's got momentum already and he's not going to get that moment. And some, someone wrote to me and said, well, you know, he could just move on in summer. No, it's momentum, actually. It's not as mm. simple as that. That six months that you get at a new club, at PSG, in the spotlight, playing alongside Messi, forming combinations, forming partnerships, that's vital for whatever your next big move would be. Yeah. And he's not going to get it. And I'm gutted for him, actually. Yeah, I'm really gutted for him. I'm gutted yeah, for and him. there was plenty. I know that there will, you know, things happen on transfer deadline day, blah blah blah. But by all accounts and all the reports read that I've read about it from various uh, outlets, it was saying the timeline of events looked like that there was plenty of time for it to get done, and PSG actually had to chase Chelsea for it, and then Chelsea just repeatedly sent the wrong paperwork. It's just and, embarrassing. You're, you're stuck in the office in in Paris, and you've just then got to go back to another club who. Kind of, I, I don't, yeah, makes me, yeah, don't like this at all. Just no, no, it's really like that. That's the thing that really got me because I just thought it's because when people chase the new, people chase the new thing, mm. they don't pay attention to the stuff, you know, yeah, to the old stuff. We'll talk about the the window as a whole in a little bit, but I just want to shout out uh, the Pedro Porro signing at Spurs or on Spurs actually. Mm. Get well soon, Antonio Conte. He's uh, taking a little bit of time out because he had his gallbladder removed this week. Horrible, horrible few months for him. He's horrible. had a really, really awful. rough time, man. Awful, awful. I hope he's okay, you know, because that's, that's a lot to deal with in such quick succession. Mm. But yeah, get well soon. Pedro Porro's come in from Sporting and it's really interesting they've got this done because there's been a kind of a pretty complex deal. 45 mm. million euro release clause, some up front, um, reducing the sell-on percentage, I think, for Marcus Edwards. It's obviously on loan and that's the the... The, the 45 million is the obligation to buy plus bonuses. Matt Doherty's left. He's gone to Atleti. Which I mean, that is, wow. Matt Letty? Matt Letty. 
Yeah, but that, that's 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 like a that's a lovely move for him. I mean, what is it with the Spurs right backs going to Atleti? I love that and excelling. Well, we'll see. Yeah, I mean, I, I actually hope think he he'll do well there. I hope he does. But Poro is a really good signing for Spurs because it's been a quite a, it's been a position that they haven't really figured out under Conte. Jack Pitbrook wrote something really good for the Athletic about this. You know, Conte trying to play that wing back system mm. without a right wing back of the profile of the skill set that he truly wanted. Yeah. So from that perspective, this is interesting. Really interesting. Yeah, I'm excited to see him play. Uh, I'm just glad that Arsenal don't have to play Spurs again this season. <laughs> <laughs> Weston McKennie's gone to Leeds. Or as uh, people now have started to refer to them as Leeds United States men's national team <laughs> uh, with Coach Marsh. <laughs> what do you think about this one? Good signing. Good signing for Leeds, you think? Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, he's been in a relegation scrap before. We've seen that. And he's working with them a lot more than he worked with at Schalke. Um, and he's working with a style of football, I think, that suits him mm. pretty well. Um, so yeah, I think it's, it's a really good signing, actually. I think it's a good signing. I'm, I feel like I still don't really know what the real Weston McKenney looks like in terms of a football, in terms of ability. Mm. I think that obviously your environment plays a massive role in what kind of football you can play. And I think at Schalke, when it was so clearly just not going to be a final destination for him, I feel like he was allowed to express himself a little bit more maybe than he was at Juve, even though I think he did still do pretty well, well in some big moments for Juve. Yeah. But to be fair to Juventus as well, the way they've played is they're a club where it's systems more than individuals mm. for a long time, actually. A lot of those great players in the old days, like, you know, Pasotto, Birandelli, Stimac, Tudor, like they, they fitted into a specific style and they're brilliant. And once they left that style, it didn't work so well. Yeah. So that's more about the way Juventus play. But yeah, anyway. Uh, but I'm just, I'm, to be honest, I, I'm just all for chaos ball at Leeds. They're going to get it. They're going to get it. <laughs> yeah. Um, should we talk about Anthony Gordon to Newcastle? Because it's an interesting signing. This. What do they call it in basketball? A signing with a lot of upside, they would say, in the NBA. Do you know what I first thought of when this happened? Felt a little bit like when Man City signed Jack Rodwell. Oh. In oh terms that's of, what Rodwell was meant to in be. In terms of hype, age, profile and talent and where City were in their in their evolution Mm. this feels a little bit like that kind of I mean positionally he's not the same we know that but Mm. in terms of young English very highly regarded again a little bit of an unknown but it felt like Newcastle needed a bit of a marquee signing in the window just for for momentum really that's Um, so interesting you mentioned as I was thinking alongside I mean like a Michael Bridges, uh, no, not Michael, but like a Michael Bridges going to Leeds from, you know, that, that kind of, you know, that, that brilliant young player where you see the upside. And I think the idea is that Eddie Howe looks at someone like Gordon and thinks, I'm going to coach this guy to be elite. Because look at his, his numbers for the under 21s. They're great. Are unbelievable. They're like great. His, and his numbers and in a team where there's infrastructure are off the scale. I think it's just, yeah, I think it's, it's a really intriguing one for a neutral because again, I think it's hard to gauge someone's upside or like full ceiling as a player that, especially at that age, having come through Everton over the last however long. It's really difficult because there's just been so much, so much chaos there. And again, like going from a side that is in the bottom three to then going to a side in the top four, playing pretty well, Mm. defensively very solid. You're going to really see his attacking chops. He'll do really well there, I think. I think, I think really he well. will. Because he doesn't have the pressure. Look, 40 million is a lot of money, mm. but it's not going to be noticed in the grand scheme of, of what Newcastle's spending has been. No. You've got players that cost more in that squad. Um, and also, this is the key thing, he won't go in with that attacking burden, expecting to be like the attacking saviour because you've got Almer on there, you've got Sam Axman there, you've got Longstaff scoring goals. So he can slot into that squad and find his way fairly well, actually. So it's actually a pretty, it's one of those deals that works at both parties. It's a great fee for Everton. They won't be necessarily comforted by losing a really talented attacking player, but I think that's more money than they get if Everton go down. That's more money than they get in the off season. So yeah. it's actually worked out. And I, I do feel for Everton. I think it's worked out as well as it could have done for them. Mm. Um, 
because I'm also not sure if there was necessarily a bidding war for Anthony Gordon at that at that level at that level. And this is not not to knock him; he's an excellent player, excellent talent. So yeah, I think that's going to work for both parties actually. Really, um, Wolves getting Pablo Sarabia, which we didn't mention, is that an interesting is, one. Like, that is, that is a really big. interesting window for Wolves, and I yeah. don't really have any idea how it's going to go. We're skipping through a lot of big deals because we just don't have time to go through yeah. all of them. So maybe let's talk about... Caden um, Navas, the Nottingham Forest. Well, I was going to talk about Forest's uh, transfer incomings in general. So Danilo from Palmeiras, £17.8 million. Chris Wood from Newcastle on loan. John Joe Shelby's come in from Newcastle. And Felipe has come in from Atleti, which the idea of Steve Cooper coaching Felipe is just really funny to me. <laughs> and I, I like because I love Steve Cooper I think he's great but how many times have we seen Felipe in games just being like someone needs to get him out of there <laughs> I can see it on match of the day and that's a straight red for Felipe and it cuts to Steve Cooper on the touchline and he's just like <laughs> that look on yeah <laughs> oh you know? god yeah, yeah I'm waiting for that to happen for the first time but Kayla Navas is amazing online. it's amazing I think I think the thing is he'll probably just go in there and just the stories people just be soaking up stories and like you know, they're going to be pestering him. It's going to be like, it's going to be like the ice cream van. It's like, hey, hey, hey. Like, you know, the ice cream van, the ice cream driver is the most popular person in the neighborhood. Be like, everyone asking for stories. Oh, what was he like? What was he like? Who was the best in training? Like, can you imagine? But what happens if he goes straight into the side? What happens to Dean Henderson? That's such a funny one for Dean. Like, for yeah. Dean Henderson as well. Like you go there and you make a name for yourself. You know, you talk yourself up and you back it up. You know, he has talked himself up in Henson and he's gone there and he's shown mm. why he deserved that billing. And you see a signing like Navas and you think, ah, you can't help but feel undermined by that. Do you know what I mean? Like, you can't help but feel undermined and be like, well, was I not thought to be delivering? And I know that mm. Nottingham Forest, like, no one in the squad maybe feels particularly safe at this point because of the high turnover. But I did see that. My first thought was, ah, I thought Dean Henderson had been doing better than that it's going to be interesting man maybe yeah. uh, maybe Forrest are just uh, they got all eyes on the Champions League next year <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, okay let's uh, Manchester United we talked about yeah briefly they, they they were quite smart in the window three loan signings Jack Butland Valt Vekost Marcel Sabitzer from Bayern they're all going to play pretty good roles in terms of depth going forward mm. I just think it was good it was solid it's what they needed yeah. um, they have got ability in all areas Ten Hag is working well with what he has and Sabitz is just gem of a sign. I think he would have been a great signing actually for any one of those. I think he would have been a great signing for Liverpool. I think as a loan signing, actually, as a loan signing, Sabitz uh, is excellent for any one of the top 10 Premier League sides in the table, I would say. I think, I think uh, it's really, really good. Signing. Really, really good. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm not sure how much you're going to see of him in big, big, big games, but yeah, it depends how he kicks on, yeah. really. Yeah. Uh, all right, let's talk about Arsenal very quickly and Jorginho because I, I think this is a really good signing. It's excellent. £12 million, 18-month contract with an, uh, an option to extend for, for another year. I don't think he's going to be a, a first-choice starter at all. I think it's much-needed, trusted depth for, for stuff like Europa League games. And 20 minutes in the end of most Premier League games. Yeah, frankly. if you need control and you need to lock games down towards the end of a game, perfect. Albert Sambi, Laconga didn't really seem to be kicking on in the way that Arteta wanted him to. He's gone on loan to Palace, which I think is amazing as well. Like, I'm really happy for him. That maybe, yeah, me yeah, too. And yeah, I hope yeah. he plays football and I hope he really has fun. What a validation that is to have Vieira come for you. So yeah. good. But with Jorginho, I think it's just, it's just very sensible. The absolute priority for this window was another wide forward and a central midfielder. And they've got pretty good recruits in both. Mm. Arsenal didn't get what they wanted. They got what they needed. And that's how I see it. The thing about Jorginho that's really interesting is that when Arsenal, the, the style they play, there's a lot of talk about how he doesn't progress the ball as much as a Caicedo. And I see that also it's, he's been asked to do different things. Mm. If, he, if, he, if he needs to progress the ball, he can. But I think the interesting thing about Jorginho is people are now a bit more afraid of Arsenal and they're sitting back. And one thing he does really well is he allows you to advance with your full backs and hold the ball. He sets the tempo at the base midfield while everyone else goes and has fun. Yep. And I think, you know, the, the side of Arsenal's quality is that teams will start playing at some differently. Like, you know, City's attacking strength is such that they had to go to a slow build-up style yeah. um, and just methodically break teams down. And that's, 
I think he's really the perfect player for the next stage of Arsenal's evolution, basically. So yeah, I just think it's, it's a great signing. Um, you know who's really good at progressing? Who's that? Like off the charts, like in terms of statistically, Declan Rice. Yes, 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 yes. Any other massive transfers you want to talk about or any other transfers of note? Mm, 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 mm. Not vastly. I mean, I, I could I could put a pin in it and just say um, Southampton buying Camaldine Suleimana, but I've not seen much of him. I just think it's interesting they made that acquisition. Um, it's always interesting to see the uh, signings coming from Liga because that's a league that is now I think a more reliable indicator of quality than people have given it credit uh, in previous yeah, years. I agree. Yep. I mean, what did you tweet? Should we wrap up by? I mean, it, I feel like we did it not too long ago in terms of the Premier League's gross overspending compared to other leagues. Mm. Um, I feel like this window is. I'm not sure if I'm not sure if we, it feels like we say this every window now. Mm. I mean, Arsenal were the second highest spenders and spent £56 million this window, which I still think, if you look at what is happening around Europe, is kind of an obscene amount. Mm. Two of those players were from Premier League clubs, so I feel like when you buy from other Premier League clubs, the, way, the, the transfer fees are automatically high just because yeah. the amount of money that flies around the Premier League is high. It's like renting in London. Yeah, exactly. But I'm not entirely sure if... I have anything wild or massively new to say about the Premier League spending compared to the rest of Europe because it's just it's just showing us stuff that we've known for a while. Mm. We've we've talked about this this before and how we would love to see financial parity across all of the leagues within Europe. We talked about it on the streaming episode literally last week. With the Premier League being such a rich league, this is just going to happen. I feel like seeing that level of spending, it's been so distorted by Chelsea spending because they've just spent so much more than anyone else. Well, they spent five times what, what Arsenal have, I think, this window. And Arsenal was second place. Do you know what it is? It sounds like a silly example to use, but I'll throw it in. So I had a couple of conversations with friends recently who've been forced out of Berlin because of the housing market, right? The rent. Uh, it's horrifying. Like They're like, mm. we can't. And these, these, you know, one of them's German. She's like, I'm... I moved here and it's just, it's just out of the question. And a friend of mine who's a letting agent was going, yeah, like 50% of the people that come and rent here are earning like 9,000 a month. Jesus. Yeah, 9,000 a month. 50% of the people that come to talk to him are earning 9,000 a month, 9,000 euros a month. Now in Berlin, that's a huge amount of money. So these people can afford to rent for like 2,000, 3,000 a month, easy. They said those, those, those new development and it's, the market's exploded. So what's happening is we're quietly losing all these amazing people just because they just can't, you know, who can pay that, right? Mm. Because they're coming in from big tech companies. And what the Premier League are doing um, in terms of that, that's a form of, and look, some will just roll their eyes and be like, oh, Moose, that's capitalism. I know that. I know that, right? But the thing about these huge amounts of money, and I say that as a United fan, is there's a lot of invisible things that you're losing. Mm. You're losing match day feel, experience, proximity to the club, closeness, attachment to the club. You're losing all these intangible things and you're getting money in return. And look, the bars are still going to be full in Berlin and the flats are still going to be full and the nightclubs will be full and everyone's going to just move on and not notice it, but we're going to lose something. And those who are pushed out to the margins are going to know it was lost. I think that's the same with football as well. Like when you have, and I don't want to name names because it looks like I'm singing out clubs. When you have elite young players from European giants moving to Premier League clubs who are absolutely stacked and you're thinking, hang on a minute, that's a move that didn't happen a generation ago. You can look at it and go, oh, it's nice and disruptive. Or you can say something is badly wrong. And rather like the conversation about respect that we mentioned in the first half, the price for that is going to be paid later down the line. And I was having a thought as I got ready for this podcast, I was thinking football's a funny one. It's rather like life itself, right? So often in football, we see prices that aren't worth paying. For the spectacle we get, but those prices are always fine as long as you're not the one paying. Yeah. And that's how I feel about all of this. I mean, spending has gone up with revenue, right? But I feel that like that's part of the problem. That, yeah. The clubs are just operating within a system. So it's the system that is deeply flawed. And how do you fix it when the Premier League spends more than 30 times that of what the combined spending was in La Liga this window? 30 times. Oh, God. 
So yeah, have a lovely week, everyone. On that cherry note. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I know this is a football podcast, and we should be talking about it really and analysing it a lot. But it's just stuff that we've analysed over and again. I feel like we've kind of we talk about this stuff all the time. It's just like we know what this is. Like I think, in the I classic Rusok yeah. Wangerism, you knew what this you was. Knew what this was exactly. I mean, it's a bad fucking week when you when you when you read something that Tebas says and you're like. Huh? Yeah, he makes some really point, good point, point. points. Wow. Were made. <laughs> points were made. Points were made. Exactly. <laughs> like, actually, you know what? Like, like the Larry David gift, kind of like, meh. you know, like, meh. I kind of agree <laughs> with what he's saying. To be honest, you know. <laughs> yeah. Um. But yeah, anything you want to? I don't know. I just feel like we could we could just ramble on with this. No, no, nothing further. Nothing, nothing further. Nothing no. further. You know, the only reason I think it's important to mention the financial conversation now and again is that every now and again, when Twitter banter gets a bit too spiky about a team being thrashed by so and so, you're like, hang on a minute that team just spent a hell of a lot more money. And actually, you should be surprised the scoreline's even that close. And you should be surprised that team is even competing in the same division, right? Yeah. So Evan, I think it's just important to put that, that, those numbers in so people just humble themselves a bit, actually. Again, I say that as a United fan, because we can talk about, oh my God, the miraculous recovery of United. And also, yes, we spent 70 million on Casemiro. So, yeah. I mean, and, and I say that again, you know, I always caveat that. Well, like we said this before, if someone like Mbappe leaves PSG now, he probably goes to two places and that's just sucks. That, like, it would be so great. Think about if- it. Where else in the job market? Think about that. I think where else in the job market, like an elite professional, there's only like two places they can go. <laughs> I mean, you're looking at one. <laughs> oh no. Oh, God. <laughs> Someone said to me, how's your transfer window, Musa? And I was like, I got released on a free. <laughs> We tried. Tried. Couldn't find a taker. Musa was waiting in someone else's offices and I didn't send the paperwork through in time. (laughs) (laughs) Turning up in the car park of other podcasts. (laughs) Fucking turning up at Joe Devine's house. Joe's just like, Musa, what are you doing? What are you doing here? Hey, Tifo. Um, I've just brought brought some some biscuits (laughs) around. Ryan and I have fallen out. Seb Stafford Bloor wakes up to nine missed calls from Musa. Exactly. Don't don't raise the blinds. Is he still out there? <laughs> Joey actually just said, "Can you send through the paperwork, Ryan?" And I just sent through a GIF, <laughs> just the Gremlins after midnight GIF, just them trashing the office. That was the GIF I sent through to him. I was like, "There's your fucking paperwork, bro." Shopping myself round in the podcast exactly. market, no takers. Listen, I'm gonna go all pep on you, man. Listen, if you want to go, you go. That's fine. I don't want to keep you here if you don't want to be here. On that note. Let's bounce. Let's bounce. Speaking of not wanting to keep people here longer than they want to be here. Uh, everyone's staying safe, staying well. Uh, don't forget to shut right his house and counter pressed up this week. Come and see us in London next week if you can. Uh, and don't forget to check the Stadio Outros playlist on Spotify. Speaking of which, we are playing out on an ode to the transfer window and football Twitter track by the Dream Team called I'm Not Satisfied. Anything you want to add, Musa Kwonga? Nothing further. Lovely. Have a lovely weekend, everyone. Much love. We'll be back with you on Monday. See you then.
This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. When I went on my last holiday to Cape Town, it was amazing. My friends were there, the weather was phenomenal, and most importantly, the food was fantastic. But one thing I struggled with was finding the right places to stay. You know, all I want is a great bed, a fantastic shower, and breakfast that doesn't end at 8 a.m. I'm on holiday, I'm still sleeping. I also like ease, and the Hotels.com app easily helps me to find a perfect hotel for every trip. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly getaway or a relaxing spa weekend, on the Hotels.com app, you can compare up to five hotels side by side. Now, why would you want to do that? So you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings. And best of all, you don't have to switch back and forth between options. See? Ease. So, start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today. This episode is brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. As a ruthless king builds his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, enter the kingdom in IMAX on May 10th and in theaters everywhere. Get tickets now. 